Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club 34-7. Bearstalk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so, so much more. You know, and, and the live, uh, the, 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 the app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season, you know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the, during the preseason, uh, have some watch-alongs, have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders, uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get, on the, get in on the fun is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in. Uh, on the fun, uh, you know, follow me and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. Hey, guys, welcome back. Episode number three of our opponent preview series for 2021 and we'll be doing this one to wrap up the uh, same place opponents with the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers who despite winning the Super Bowl were the second place finisher in the NFC South uh, last year because in the regular season they could not get over the hump that was uh, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints the Saints swept the series and uh, the second matchup in on Sunday Night Football in Tampa Bay was a brutal beating that the Saints uh, delivered to the uh, to the Buccaneers is kind of like the low point of the season uh, for them. But uh, nonetheless, when the two met up uh, once again in the Superdome in New Orleans in the second round of the playoffs, the Bucks really handed it to uh, to the Saints. Moved on to the NFC Championship game, beat Green Bay, and then uh, headed off to the Super Bowl to stun uh, the Chiefs and absolutely shut them down. The Chiefs, which would you know were breaking the scoreboard on just about every defense in the NFL. Did not score a touchdown against the Bucs uh, in Super Bowl 55. So it was a resounding victory for the Buccaneers. And uh, they're looking to repeat uh, in 2021, as you'll hear me and our good friend Ren Dax from the Pewtercast talk about uh, they did everything they could to, quote-unquote, keep the band together uh, for this one and, and run it back one more time, knowing that... Uh, it's probably not going to happen again or likely not unlikely to happen again in 2022. It's like everyone's going to want to go get paid and they're probably going to have to do it uh, elsewhere. So uh, 
very interesting conversation with with uh, with Ren. We cover a lot talking about the Bucks, the schedule, uh, and things like that. So, uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in. Uh, myself and Ren Dax, the same place opponent uh, preview number three, closing at that out, uh, and it's uh, it's the opponent preview episode of the Bear Stalk Underground. So let's get to it. And for our third and final same place opponent, uh, despite winning the Super Bowl, they were actually the second place finisher in the NFC South. It's the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which of course means we have Ren Dax from the Pewtercast to help us uh, talk about these 2021 Bucks. Ren, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, uh, it's always great conversation. I think we actually talk longer off air than we do on air. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we have lots of same interests, so. Uh, it's always a pleasure when you ask me back, and of course, I'm, I'm always down to do this. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, so, um, as we were just saying, just before we got started recording, uh, you know, usually with these opponent previews, we dabble a bit on the previous season as we work through the offseason, the draft, free agency, blah, blah, blah. But we already had you on after the Super Bowl to kind of, you know, wrap up the season and, you know, kind of what the roller coaster was for like the last what seven eight weeks of the year of the season for the Buccaneers they're seven and five people have lost faith then they rattle off you know four straight victories roll through the playoffs and then completely shut down the unstoppable Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium you know to kind of just you know pull off this whole Tom Brady fairy tale where his first year outside of Tampa Bay or excuse me outside of New Orleans he wins uh, or New England England. yeah that would be the other place that he played (laughs) New England that, uh, you know, he he brings home the Lombardi. And, you know, that that part of the conversation I remember being that I can't call I can't not call him the greatest of all time now, because the one thing I was holding on to for all those years, as far as Brady being the greatest of all time, is that he, he could never do it without Belichick. You put him on any other team. He doesn't do what he's done. And then the first year out, he goes ahead and he does it. So the hell with me and, and my thought on holding on to, to Brady not being the greatest because he went ahead and pulled it off. It's just I can't dispute it anymore. You know what I mean? So, yes, when uh, when Tom Brady first signed, we had someone on like one of the beat reporters from the Patriots mm-hmm. and he started off the interview, you know, it was like, hey, welcome to the show. And he's like, he's like, oh, thanks a lot. And he's like, you know, I like to say this first first off and foremost is like it was a pleasure, you know, you know, it is it was a pleasure for me to ask Tom questions for two years on the Patriots. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean it was an honor and a pleasure? Like, what is this? Yeah. And now I've seen a season of Tom Brady and I, you know, and then extrapolate that out over 20 years. Yeah. And six Super Bowls and and what he went 12 times or he goes every other year. Pretty much. It averages out. Uh, It's actually more. uh, If you don't include his rookie season where he didn't play in the season he missed, it's actually he's better than 50 percent making the Super Bowl. So I kind of get it. Like yeah, you kind of get it. And it's just like you just kind of, you know, and if you're a Brady hater, I understand. I was until last year. And <laughs> now, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, throw. I don't care. Like, yeah, break yourself on all you want. Right. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, I was like, I knew that when he won number five, when they made that comeback against Atlanta, that, mm-hmm. you know, I would be drowned out by anybody who would argue with me about who the greatest of all time was. Cause I, I still believe the best quarterback of all time is Peyton Manning, just as far as who, you know, he threw the ball, he could got, get, throw guys open and, you know, probably one of the smartest players to ever play the game. 
but mm-hmm. he only won he won two Super Bowls, and technically he really only won one because that second one was more about having one of the best defenses of all time on his team rather than yes. something that Peyton did to lead the Broncos there uh, and things like that. But, uh, you know, two Super Bowls in, what, three appearances, maybe four for Peyton, and then Brady's in, a, like, the 22nd year of his career. He's been there more times than he hasn't in his career, yeah. which is just bananas. So it's, yeah, it's you. You can't really wrap your mind around it, right? So anyway, twenty twenty. You know the the Bucks pull it off uh, with Brady leading the charge. They get to the Super Bowl. They beat the Chiefs, and then we go into the off season. And mm-hmm. you know the, the the tricky thing about being a Super Bowl champion is that everybody wants to pick you apart, and right. somehow Bruce Arians and Jason Light have managed to keep the band together. They, they mm-hmm. re-signed everybody that could have been a free agent or they franchised. It's, it's Godwin, right? Not Goodwin. I always get them mixed up. Godwin. Uh, are you talking about the receiver or yes. the coach? Godwin, the, the receiver. Yeah, you franchise the receiver. Yes. Yeah, we have a head coach named Goodwin. Oh, do you? Yes. Okay. Well, it's like I get him confused with Marquise Goodwin, who the Bears actually have right okay. now. We signed him in free agency. I always get the names uh, confused. But Chris Godwin... He's been, he's been franchised. Everybody else has been re-signed. You brought everybody back because one of the things I do is I track who the free agent signings, who, who came in and who went out. You didn't really lose anyone because the names, all five of them that I found, I don't recognize any of these names. Uh, Anthony Auclair, right. Andrew right. Adams, Chappelle Russell, Joe Haig, and Ryan Smith. Ryan yes. Smith's a rather nondescript name, so I don't know if that's a guy or, or you know a significant or not, but it's like all five of these guys is like, I don't think that they're going to be missing anybody. And you brought two free agents in Giovanni Bernard at running back and Antonio Hamilton at corner. Everybody, every other focus as far as free agency in the off season was about bringing everybody back, including Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's about it. And Hamilton was actually a tryout signing. Ah, okay. So he wasn't, you know, like a free agent that you pursued. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. He wasn't pursued. He came out to, he came out f- to the first OTAs in, in tryouts, and uh, and they ended up signing him. Yeah, all the guys we lost, like O'Claire was the fourth tight end, you know, blocking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Smith um, never really panned out as as a corner, um, but he was he was a very good special teamer. Joe Haig, everyone remembers, is the guy that uh, got the ball knocked out of his hands in the Super Bowl, the tackle. Okay. That that was him. He was their first guy sort of off the bench. He played a lot of the jumbo packages, uh, tight end pack. He'd come in and play tight end and running downs, things like that. Um, Adams was the fourth safety, <laughs> you know, and uh, I forget who the other guy said. Oh, Chappelle, Chappelle Russell, he, yeah. He never even played. Okay. Like he was a practice squad guy that would bounce up and down, but I don't think he ever even got a helmet on Sunday. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, you, you know, you literally – uh, I mean, and what I, when I mentioned Arians, it's like he kept his coaching staff together. Yeah, you know yeah, that, um, was, that was big. That was big. Yeah, Leftwich is the OC. He comes back, and um, Todd Bowles. Thank you, Todd Bowles. He came back. I could see his face, but I couldn't. His name was just escaping me. Todd Bowles back as defensive coordinator. I don't know if you guys would be able to pull that off next off season if you have similar or uh, you know close to the same. Uh, success left, which and bowls have to be at the top of everybody's list for head coaching prospects uh, next year. But uh, you did it for 2021. So you're in a great position to run it back. 
Yeah, uh, the Buccaneers as an organization has already come out and said that uh, as far as the the players are, like, don't expect this to happen next year. Like, right. they've already, there's like, guys are going to go. Now, if, if guys, because contracts are up and they don't try to re-sign them, uh, things of that nature, we'll, we'll see. Um, Byron Leftwich didn't get one head, didn't get one interview for a head coach uh, last offseason. Um, that's sort of a sticking point for BA. He's pretty upset about that. Sure. Uh, Todd Bowles got, I think he had two and one he canceled, um, because it kind of leaked out that they already had their guy. So he's like, I, you know, I'm just not kind of go, uh, I'm not going to go. And, you know, Bowles, you know, you have this reputation where you go somewhere and fail miserably. Uh, you know, the team trends down when you're there and it, you know, it's not always your fault. And I don't think it was Todd Bowles' fault who was a head coach with the jets and started off. Okay. And right. then sort of nosedived after that. Um, so, you know, cause the bucks defense that came on so strong after the bye week especially, uh, and through the playoffs. Yeah. He got a couple of looks, but, um, <clears throat> there's talk here where no one's really sure if Todd Bowles even wants to be a head coach. Yeah. Like with his personality and, and just kind of the way he is like, like he tried it. I don't think he liked it too much. Now that could have been cause he, you know, was head coach of the jets and it's kind right. of a dumpster fire of a organization. organization. Yeah. yeah. As far as the NFL goes. So who really knows, you know, right situation, that type of deal. Um, you know, as Buck fans, we talk about like who's the next guy because BA came in at like 66 years old. Mm-hmm. He's never been, you know, every time he, uh, all the years he was a head coach, you know, wasn't a ton, but like five or six years, he'd always end up in the hospital at one point or another. Um, you know, he actually said in one of his first press conferences ever for the Bucks before he even coached a game for the Buccaneers was, you know, so, well, how long are you going to stick around, Bruce? He was, I don't know, like after year two, if you win the Super Bowl, maybe I'll go. Well, year two, he won the Super Bowl. Uh, he's here. So now yeah. everyone's kind of speculating, like, Arians will go when Brady goes. And then Arians kind of says, well, I'll coach as long as I'm having fun. So it's a big open-ended type of, of, sure. of what's happening because Bruce is going to retire before he gets fired. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. So that's kind of a, a rare circumstance in the NFL. Um, so... Yeah, fans are wondering, like, we don't want either of those guys to go anywhere because we want one to become the head coach and one to stay at where they are because we think they're really good uh, and even underrated as far as coordinators go around sure. the league. Well, I mean, that's the thing that was so impressive is is the that they were actually able to stick to their word because you hear organizations say that sometimes. We're bringing everybody back. We're going to run mm-hmm. this back and do it again. And then this coordinator goes here. This coach goes there. This one, uh, this free agent left because he got more money this this place and all that kind of stuff. It, it was almost like the lowered salary cap kind of helped you guys because you yes. might as well stay in Tampa Bay rather than try, try to make a cash grab somewhere else. It's like next year it will be a lot harder to keep guys because the salary cap's only going to be about $30 million more than it is now. Uh, for this season because it's going to get quote, back to quote-unquote normal and then who knows how much higher it's going to go the year after when the tv money kicks in so yeah and then yeah, on top yeah. you know like i said with the staff and everything that is a very rare thing for defending super bowl champion to come back literally intact from the year that it was before so it's like they i know that they probably already are but if they weren't they should be one of the favorites to to run this thing back uh once again especially when i saw what your schedule was uh, this yeah. year with the with the AFC East being your AFC conference, and I think we have the the um, 
The NFC? You have... Uh, NFC East. NFC East, okay. Yeah, yeah so the NFC East and the AFC East. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, literally the worst division in football. And, you know, one that was extremely top-heavy and only sent one team to the uh, playoffs last year. So, uh, yeah, that'll be very... Uh, will not be a very difficult road to navigate, or based on 2020's results, anyway, should be... Uh, Fairly easy for the uh, for the Buccaneers to get off on a, on a good start. So yeah, right in the middle of a. I tell people, you know, listen to my podcast. I tell people right in the middle of a twenty eight no win streak, right <laughs> now, and we're gonna go twenty and zero. There you go. Of course, I'm kidding a little bit, and I say it tongue in cheek, but sure, uh, it's it's more likely than not, right? <laughs> than any than a lot of other it's teams. not crazy man when yeah, exactly. when eight of your games are the afc east and the nfc east it's not crazy that's that's basically eight no right there you yeah, know it's, it's like it's like it's like we're the patriots you know like start <laughs> off the season of five and one just gotta go 500 for the other 10 games and right. you know you're 11 and five and you're in the playoffs right so so like i said you know there there wasn't a whole lot going on in the off season aside from hanging on to this guy keeping that guy and uh, and everything, so there wasn't like a big splash free agency thing or a huge uh, departure for you guys. So we can automatically just go ahead and jump into the into the draft, and, th- and that was an interesting night uh, for you guys. You you sat firm pretty much on every single pick and and just kind of let the draft uh, come to you. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. the first one, uh, the first round pick at thirty two, Joe Joe Tryon from Washington. Is he more of an edge rusher or an inside guy? He's an edge. He's an, He's an edge. edge. Okay. He will be. He'll be at edge, and he'll probably be at edge for the f- most of his rookie contract. I would suspect before they start to move him inside. Uh, and of course, that all depends on what happens to JPP after this year. So sure. maybe year two. But right now, yeah, he'll he'll be probably exclusively edge three on this team right now. Sure. And then the uh, the second round pick, probably the most interesting pick in the entire in an entire grouping you, you have here is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this was a guy that was kind of rumored to maybe be that fifth or sixth quarterback taken Mm -hmm. in the first round or at least somebody that would go early in the second round. And here he is, last pick of the second round, sitting there for the Buccaneers uh, to take the heir apparent to Tom Brady, apparently. Kyle Trask, the quarterback from Florida. So he's a local guy. He gets to stay in state and learn at the foot of the king. Yeah, uh, a couple things on this. One, uh, the Bucs are very high on Blaine Gabbert. Um, I really? know people that are listening to this, people laugh and they giggle and all this type of, I'm telling you, if, like Blaine Gabbert would take this team to the playoffs this year. Hmm. Uh, he, I think there's a stat out there where he had seven off offensive coordinators in his first six years as a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he kind of got a bum deal there. Um, and you know, I, I've watched him, I didn't watch him last year through training camp, but I've watched him, you know, for two years now, um, through training camp and you know there's there's a lot to like for him and but again i know it's very easy to giggle and snicker like bling guy he 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 you know it's like kind of like sam darnold he 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 well sure. let's see what happens when he gets out of new york right um but i'm i'm on the he 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 sam darnold right now trained too because you know panthers are in division so sure. um but about t- kyle trask uh the jason light the bucks general manager and bruce arians have have said <laughs> recently that you know they've been looking for they were looking for the heir apparent last year, um, you know, in the draft. It just didn't fall to them. They weren't going to reach for a guy. Sure. Um, they even said that they had a discussion, although it had to be very brief because 
it was midnight and I think a whole like two minutes had run off the clock uh, by the time they ran the card up and it was announced that Joe Tryon was the pick. But they talked about, you know, like, should we take Trask at 32? They're in the first round, the bottom of the first. Um, so they like him. Uh, the big knock on him, everyone says it's his arm strength, you know, mm. and that he played with two first round guys uh, at Florida being yeah. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts and, and Kadarius and- Tony. Yes, exactly. And then you see the game where they weren't there, which was, I think, the Oklahoma game. I think it was, yeah, Oklahoma, the bowl game. And he had his worst game, you know, as a gate, like through three interceptions or something and, and, you know, didn't have his guys. But, you know, that argument can be made for, you know, Ohio State and that argument can be made for Clemson and that argument can be made for Alabama. So uh, I get it, um, but I, I don't think it really holds that much water. What they like about him is that, Sort of his attitude, his makeup, his, you know, always being, you know, second fiddle wherever he's gone. Like he never was a starting quarterback, even in high school, because he was behind uh, Tredarius King at Miami. Okay. First name, right? Uh, Who's still a quarterback at the University of Miami. You know, he was behind Felipe Franks at Florida and may never have played, and, except for that, you know, Felipe got a really nasty, bad uh, ankle injury in the Kentucky game a couple years ago, and Trask comes in and, and then, you know, uh, finishes out the season, has this great season this year. He didn't transfer. He stayed. He's always been the underdog. He has him. He understands uh, about being the second fiddle. You know, like, he... he he doesn't lose focus or power or wine that he's not getting his chance. And, you know, it's been proven through high school and through college and now in the pros, of course, because of behind Tom Brady. And but what they like about him is his accuracy and his ability to process things quickly. And that's what they keep pointing to. Um, as far as the arm strength, they think they can solve it with mechanics. Um, they don't think he turns his hips and sets his feet. You know, when you have that out throw that Drew Brees couldn't throw the last couple years of his career, the 20 yard out opposite hash. Yeah, that that's where, you know, that's where you kind of see the ball sort of instead of on a line, it does like a little moonshot over there or may flutter a bit with trash. But they think they can fix that with mechanics. And he's had, you know, just in OTAs, he's done what rookie quarterbacks do. Like sometimes you're like, wow, what a steal. And then the next day you're like, like this guy's garbage. Like what's going on? So uh, it, I think it was a luxury pick. I wouldn't have selected it for the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. but, you know, given Jason Light's last handful of drafts, and I think if you just kind of take out the 2017 draft, he's he's had really good drafts. 2017 was about as bad as it could get, which was the Vernon Hargraves-Roberto Aguayo draft. Uh, Noah Spence, like none of these, like Hargraves is barely hanging on, and you know, for the Texans, and uh, Aguayo's out of football, um, Spence is out of football, so um, it was not a uh, guy named Caleb Beninock they drafted, who was just a saloon door when he got on their guard. I don't know if he's still <laughs> in football. It, it was, it was, it was, it was a terrible, terrible draft. I think the best draft pick of all of it would have been their seventh rounder, Danny Vitale, who's still hanging, who's still hanging on as like a as like a second tight end in Green Bay. Nice. Um, he's like the only guy left. So, uh, so. All that to say that, you know, I, I'm trusting the Buck staff on this. Uh, but if you you're in sort of like the Buck circle and I'm here to tell, you know, your listeners that that Blaine, like if Blaine Gabbert's number two and if and they're very happy with Blaine Gabbert and before they drafted Tile Trask, the plan was when Tom Brady retires 
to give the keys to Blaine Gabbert, and they would have been more than satisfied with it. The Buccaneers really like Blaine Gabbert, and now they got a young quarterback they really like too. Interesting. You know, I'm I'm not. I mean, well, yeah. I'm. I guess I oh, like generally uh, like first reaction. He 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 would be my reaction. Yes. Uh, as well. Um, you know, he was a disaster in Jacksonville, but then again, who wasn't uh, at the time when he was uh, down there? And one game in particular, Blaine Gabbert ruined my weekend um, when he was with San Francisco. It came into Chicago, uh, played the Bears, and it was a game in general that absolutely drove me nuts because I talked about it for for a goddamn year, Ren. That's how much that game <laughs> bothered me. It was one of those things where the Bears made like six mistakes that ended up costing them um, regulation because the, they lost it in overtime. But they right. made six mistakes in regulation. If they don't make one of them, we win the game. Like if we made right. five mistakes instead of six, we win the game. If any one of those mistakes was missed or didn't get or didn't happen, the Bears win that game in regulation. We don't lose to the Blaine Gabbert led 49ers in overtime. You know, and that so game you felt the sting of the Gabbert. I did. I did. Especially since one of those things that happened was that we left the middle of the field wide open for the very fleet footed Blaine Gabbert run for like literally like a 60 yard touchdown right up the middle of the field. Like he just, he just, people think yeah. absolutely. So it's like, I've seen what he can do, what he's capable of. Granted, this was like five years ago in 2016, but, uh, or, you know, 2015, whatever it was, but, uh, you know, and, and some guys just need time, uh, to develop. It's a luxury that quarterbacks don't have in the NFL, uh, anymore. Cause uh, I was yeah. just, uh, digging through some old football cards and I found a Steve young Buccaneers football card. Yeah. You know, like when he left the USFL, he went to the Buccaneers. Then he gets traded to San Francisco, literally rides the bench between Joe Montana playing here and there for seven years before he finally got his his shot. So he was literally like a 10, 11-year veteran in the NFL before he got a chance to play. And you know, he made the Hall of Fame. He made the Hall of Fame. And like those six, seven years where he was the starter in San Francisco, he won a Super Bowl. He was constantly in the Pro Bowl. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, God forbid, if this guy went straight to the NFL and gets drafted by somebody, who knows what kind of career he could have had. But he sat behind Montana as the backup from like 86 to 92 or something like that before he finally got a chance to take over and be the everyday starter for them. That would never happen in today's NFL. So, I mean, it, you know, Blaine Gabbert giving, getting this time, playing behind this guy, playing every once in a while, and then now for the last two years behind Brady – you know, it, it could set up to be something uh, for him. Some guys just need time. And like I said, it's a luxury that quarterbacks don't have in today's NFL. Either you, either you get it or you don't. And if you don't get it quick, they're not, you know, they're not doing it. Like I just spoke with the, um, with Ryan Dunleavy. He's from the New York post. He follows the, the giants, like the giants spent their off season basically going in on, 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 on Daniel Brown to find out if he's their guy. Because, yeah. you know, it's like it's it's going to be year number three for him. And he maybe he didn't have the tools, so they went out and they got Kadarius Toney. They uh, they signed Kyle Rudolph. They have Evan Ingram and things like that. So they, they've loaded up. They're going to have Saquon back. They've, you know, tried to help out with the offensive line. And they're going to find out in year three if they can go all in because before year four, they have to commit to year number five. Yeah. You know, so they're going in to, sign, to find out, is this is he our guy? Or are we going to be looking forward because the coaching staff there now didn't draft him. 
So, yeah. you know, they're not, that he's not necessarily their guy and they're finding out that if if he is and you know, that's how quick the trigger gets pulled on on that kind of thing. So, um Steve Young as Buckner's quarterback was awful. Yes, he was. <laughs> I remember. But, but the, yeah, he was terrible. But again, you know, uh, the at the time and most of their history, I think it's fair to say the Buccaneers have been a dumpster fire of an organization, sure, and he sure. had no talent around him. Yeah, you know? yeah. So because he was pretty great in uh, in the USFL for the LA yeah. Express, had crazy stats uh, for yeah. them. But then he comes to a organization where they're literally gluing the team together week by week, and things didn't go so well. So USFL is uh, coming back. I can't wait. Who's that? US yeah, I did. Back. I heard about that today. Yeah, yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, They'll be going head to head with the XFL, which is also coming back next year. Yeah, I hope the USFL wins. I just like the name better and sure. the nostalgia of the teams. They're right, keeping, they're bringing back the team names. Have you read the book about the USFL? Uh, I have not. It's it's called Football for a Buck. The author's name is Jeff Perlman, mm-hmm. and I've actually had him on the show to talk about the book. Oh, nice. Yeah, he. Uh, it was really, it was really weird. I'd I'd been listening to him make appearances and stuff like that, and talking about the book. It's like, man, I got to get my hands on this thing. And I saw him on, on Twitter saying that, show me proof you bought the book, and I'll send you some free USFL swag. So he sent me a like a postcard and it's you know a, a sticker of like the Arizona Wranglers helmet and yeah and things like that. So when I sent the proof of uh, purchase, I emailed it to him. I just threw it out there like, hey a podcast would you would you be interested in being on the show because he also wrote the walter payton biography so it's like you know talk about the you talk about your book and then maybe even talk about sweden and i was expecting like would he even read my email he got back to me like an hour later yeah i'd love to and we set it up it's like dude i got a new york times bestseller on my on my crappy little podcast how great was that so (laughs) but it's an awesome book it is outstanding you should give it a read it's very very entertaining so yeah we have a beat reporter here who used to have in his bio, like, you know, writing a book on the USFL. It's gone now, mm-hmm. um, that bio line. And I was always kind of waiting for that one. But I was a huge USFL fan. I mean, we had season tickets to the Bandits. Is that right? Tampa, Tampa Bay Bandits, yeah. 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 It's, it's, you def, you, dude, you definitely have to, to check it out. It's a really, really, really interesting book. So uh, I enjoyed it. It was a page turner. I couldn't put it down. So. Anyway, so let's look at the rest of the of your uh, your draft class here. You got Robert Hainsey, a guard out of Notre Dame in the third round. Mm-hmm. Seattle, or with a pick from Seattle, Jalen Darden, mm-hmm. wide receiver out of North Texas. KJ Britt, linebacker from Auburn in the mm-hmm. fifth round, and then two seventh rounders: Chris Wilcox, a corner from BYU, and Grant Stewart, a linebacker from Houston. Who stands out in that group for you? Uh, it's gotta be, uh, Darden. Um, but I, I, I want to touch on just about every guy, but I'll be brief. Uh, Hainsey, uh, started like 34 games for Notre Dame, which has been an offensive line factory of late. It wasn't like literally Uh, everyone from their offensive line drafted in this draft because they had quite a few guys come off the board that were offensive linemen for Notre Dame. I think everyone from like, I think the offensive line, like from the 2019 or maybe 2018 class is all in the pros. Wow. Is kind of how it, how what I, what I saw, and Hainsey was kind of like the last one. One of them's not very good, uh, but you know they got like you know Quentin Nelson's in there and Hainsey's in there and and you know a couple other and other guys that kind of elude me right now. But you know even if you're if if you're deep into the Bears, you would you know makes you sort of more than a casual NFL football fan. You'd recognize these guys' names like oh yeah yeah I didn't know the guy went Notre Dame. 
But Hainsey has 34 starts uh, at uh, right tackle for Notre Dame. Um, the Bucks are talking about that, how he's a five-tool player, five-position player. Um, most fans thinking, like, we really don't want to see him at left guard, or excuse me, left tackle. Uh, so we're thinking he's a replacement for Joe Haig, which would be first off the bench in, uh, into your offensive lineman. If he can't win the job from uh, right tackle uh, Alex Kappa, who, by the way, um, was a third round pick. You know, he was from a Division two school. Um, Jason Light loves his Division two offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, I should say. All three of them are uh, Division two or, or lower, actually. Uh, all three starters, and um, they have him working at center through OTA. So you know they 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 think they're like we know he can play tackle, like we're, we're almost positive he can play guard. So we want we want to put him at center. And Hainsey went to uh, the Senior Bowl. They said, hey, you want to play center? He's like, okay, I'll try it. And that kind of put him on the Bucks' radar. So that's the the Hainsey role right now is the first guy off the bench into your offensive line. Um, Jalen Darden is a Think of him as Tariq Hill, but not with the reputation of Tariq Hill. Um, he's not quite as fast. He's very fast, but what he what what he excels at is going in and out of cuts and turning from receiver to ball carrier faster than just about everybody else. Faster than most. You know, tier that's his tier one talent, getting separation because through his cuts. He led the nation in touchdowns last year. Uh, out of North Texas, yes, he played in Conference USA, so he's playing like Tulsa and, and things like that. But right. you know, you can only play who you put in front of him. Small guy, he's a little thicker than you'd imagine uh, when you see his height, weight. Uh, he's gonna, um, he's penciled in right now as the punt returner, possible kickoff returner. Uh, then um, Britt, uh, KJ Britt, he's uh, from uh, from Auburn. He actually got injured and didn't play most of last year. But everyone says, you know, at Auburn that he was still sort of like the the alpha dog. He was still the 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 uh, leader of the defense, and he wasn't even he wasn't even suiting up on Saturdays. You know, um, he's he's okay. You know, he's he's kind of like a throwback linebacker, where if you know this was the mid '80s and teams ran the ball 34 times a game, right. he'd be somebody you'd really want. Um, he's not going to do that great in coverage. The whole day three, starting with Darden, uh, is all special teams because there was a stat that was just thrown out, and if you look at the numbers, they're terrible. Uh, the Bucks special teams have been bad for years, and last year they had the worst kickoff coverage team ever to win a Super Bowl. But then if you look at it, like they had the worst actually yardage per return ever in the NFL. Uh, and only... And only 14 were returned all year. Like all kick, we only had 14 kickoffs returned, and per yardage, it was they had the worst ever uh, in the NFL. So day three is all about special teams. Right. KJ uh, KJ Britt, you know, bringing sort of that alpha mentality. He's a football player. He's just not athletic. He's not going to start. And you know, if you if you have him on the field, you're going to have to try to hide him through things. Um, you you know, we can talk about that if that ever comes up. Uh, then you got Wilcox, guy out of BYU. He's sort of um, in. He he's the size that Buccaneers like, as far as their corners. You know, he's like over 200 pounds. He's like 210. You know, he's like 6'2. You know, arms like an albatross, and he hasn't missed a tackle since 2017. 
But that's all about really you can say about him. He's a seventh rounder, you know. Yeah. He, he, I don't think he's ever had an interception. Um, but he ran a four three one at his pro day. So he's the Ryan Smith gunner replacement everyone's thinking about. And then the last guy, Stewart, big hair, don't care, you know, plays like his butt's on fire, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick of the draft. Oh, right. Yeah, also uh, interior linebacker like K.J. Britt, another guy that knows he has to make it on special teams. Those guys, you know, those guys are going to try to bring this juice. All four of those guys are going to bring some type of juice to the special teams uh, because the Bucks, that's that's what they decided to do. Like offense, everyone's back. Offense is good, defense is good. We we'll use our you know our our day one, day two picks on sort of like filling backup holes and roles and and things like that. But but we're going to concentrate on day three and we're going to really try to bolster our special teams. And they brought in some um, some veterans, uh, uh, Steel Raven Raven Steel or Raven. Um, he was from Green Bay. He's cut his teeth on the special teams. Joe Joe uh, Joe Jones was another guy who's been in the league like six seven years. Big special teams guy. Um, you talk about Hamilton. He's a big special teams. So they brought in vets and young guys to really bolster that. Um, but uh, any of those last, Darden's going to make the team for sure. KJ Britt. Stewart, big hair, don't care, and the long, lanky cornerback Wilcox. I mean, fifty-fifty. It's just the team's just so deep. It, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you're looking for. Usually, those day three picks are spent on, you know, filling up some some holes. Like you know, maybe we can get some some backup use out of this guy or, you know, or, or mostly right. it's you're aiming for special teams right, more times right. than that's not. Normal. I, sh- I don't mean to cut you off, uh, uh, but then that's normal. But yeah. these guys are drafted for what they can bring to special teams this year. Sure. Like there is no future plans for KJ Britt, Stewart or Wilcox uh, to be starting on this team. Sure. They're just not good enough. Wilcox maybe because of his size can turn into something. You know, maybe a fourth, you know, first guy off the bench, but Stewart and Wilk and Britt, like they're just they're not athletic. They're not athletic enough. Like they're not they're not going to ever start in the NFL or be a guy that you want to depend on. They're here for their leadership and the type of people they are, mm-hmm. and to solidify that room and, and sort of try to you know rising tide raises all boats type of guys. Yeah, and if you can get all four years of his rookie contract out of him, great. If not, then no harm, no foul. He was a seventh round pick, uh, yes. kind of thing. Yeah, you see that a lot uh, uh, in the league. Unfortunately for the Bears, these fifth rounders tend to be relied upon because Ryan Pace is actually really good at picking uh, in day three. Like round five is like his wheelhouse. That's where we got Jordan Howard's, where we got Bilal Nichols, and you know things like that. It's like we've we've seen those fifth rounders turn. Or last year, Darnell Mooney uh, and the receiver that we you know that he turned out to be. Uh, last year as a rookie it's uh, something about pace in the fifth round he finds these key contributors uh in day three whereas most teams are looking to fill out their roster and get some help on special teams maybe a little help on on the depth side but these are the guys that are going to be playing between possessions rather than being than leading the charge on a possession yeah i remember those days man like i remember being a bucks fan and like you know diving deep in the fifth sixth rounders because these guys actually had a chance to win a starting job in training camp right it's just just, there's no way not no way not with your current makeup not at all yeah not a chance yeah 
Well, because like we started off the conversation saying you literally brought everybody back, so there really isn't room for for new bodies uh, mm-hmm. this year. So it's uh, not going to be a problem in in 2021. But like you said, 2022. That's a different ball game uh, entirely because, uh, like mm-hmm. you said, the, the organization's already set the expectation that don't expect us to do this again uh, yeah, yeah, next a year. Thing, guys. Yeah, we're everybody's going to be uh, running off this thing like uh, you know rats on a sinking ship next year, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that you know that's just going to be the reality of 2022, rather than everyone needs to leave. You know, it's just going to be one of those things that happens next year. Mm-hmm. So. So overall, how did how did you guys feel uh, about the draft? Because you didn't really have to go in to fill much of a need uh, anywhere. Like you said, it was more about trying to find people. Like you know, Hainsey's going to be your you know like your swing interior guy, mm-hmm. and you know Kyle Trask might be the guy down the line if if you know God forbid Blaine Gabbard doesn't work out. Worst case scenario, he's Blaine Gabbard's backup for a couple years, but you know before he gets uh, a chance, and then Tryon is. Probably the only one that has any real expectations right now. Would I would I be correct in, in assuming that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for who's going to get a hat on Sundays? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be Tryon and Darden. But Darden is just because of of uh, like I said, because he's gonna be he's gonna win the punt return job for sure. Sure. Um, maybe kick off, and then you know we'll see with Britton Stewart and all those guys. But actually playing like you say, offensive and defensive downs, it's try on, and and really that's it. Right, right. So so there you have that. So let's look ahead. It's uh, we got the schedule, which um, it's 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 been a couple of years now, but it's still weird for this thing to come out after the draft. Um, yeah. Whereas it's usually sometime in like mid-April, a week or two before the draft because I remember that always being kind of part of the graphics that were shown during the draft is like and here's the upcoming schedule for the Arizona Cardinals who are picking fifth overall or whatever you know this is who this this is the schedule this rookie is going to have to face uh, when he comes in but instead it comes out on May 12th and um, being the defending Super Bowl champions uh, you're opening up on Thursday night at home as is tradition uh, these days anyway, and it's going to be the Cowboys. There was actually speculation for a while it was going to be the Bears because we're visiting Tampa Bay this year, but instead mm-hmm. it turns out to be the Cowboys to open up the year uh, on Thursday night, so we get the uh, the new and improved Dak Prescott uh, coming into town to try to ruin the party for the Buccaneers. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still pretty much have one of the worst defenses in football. I don't see that they really did much to change that uh, in the offseason. So, uh, you know, we'll see if uh, Brady and, and company can break the scoreboard on the uh, Cowboys to open up the year because it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's like I know the NFL wants to put their best foot forward, to the, you know, get mm-hmm. the season going on under the best way, but they also want to see the world champions kick some ass. So they kind of – you know, kind of, you know, teeter it uh, that way a little bit. Right. So, yeah, the Cowboys are coming to town, but it's not your daddy's Cowboys, and they're playing against the world champs, so this thing could get it's ugly your early. Daddy's Cowboys. Yeah, hey, there you go. Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It has been a long time. It's been a long, long time. It's been a full quarter century since they've been to a Super Bowl now. Has it really? 90, the 95 season, 96? 95 season was the last time that they won. Yeah. If you got nine million Twitter followers, then it'll get you. I guess Thursday opening game. There you go, and there it has. There it goes. So, uh, so you got the Cowboys to kick off the year on Thursday night, and you come, then you stay home for mm-hmm. the Falcons to get that uh, division schedule 
running, then then back to back road games, and this is not a luxury that the Bears have because their their entire schedule home away home away home throughout the entire thing. No home way, away, you have no back to back, no back to back home games, no back to back road games, and not even. And what I found most interesting was that the pattern held even with the bye week. Was like I think we're home before the bye, and we come back from the bye on the road, or vice versa. You know, it's like we're on the road right. and we come back and we're home. The pattern holds even with the bye week, home away, home away, home away throughout the entire uh, schedule. And you guys right off the bat, I remember, too. I remember those days when the NFL <laughs> would screw you over yeah, because because you're not a top echelon team. Yeah. So, Man. but I mean, this, I mean, something like this happened. They do this to, to someone every year as far as like the schedule is just like, well, they just must have had it out. For this team, because I remember like a year or two ago, the Packers weren't going to be home for like 35 days or something like yeah, that. Was, no, they, that was us. Or was it you guys? It was us. We, we, we would not play a home game for the whole month of October. That's it. Yeah, that's what it was. Because yeah. yeah. were the Packers actually, in there like, somewhere? Because I said, oops. Yeah. <laughs> like they actually came out and went, yeah, our bad on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, and I think the Packers had something similar to that where they were going to play a home game and then they had like th- uh, three games in a row on the road and the bye week in between there somewhere. So it was going to be like a stretch of like 35 days before they played a home game at Lambeau. And I remember, you know, I now remember talking to you guys uh, about that. Wasn't it like 2018, something like that happened? Um, was it 2018, 29? It was the game in London because that counted as a home right, game. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so right. we had a bye week, a London game, and two away games in the month of October. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah, so, like, there was no home game. For, yeah. yeah. So, for yeah. the for the Bears, we don't get to get comfortable anywhere. We're yeah. home, we're away, we're home, we're away, we're home, we're away, you know, week in, week out. You guys start with two at home, then you go on the road back-to-back at Los Angeles, and then the game they've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Brady returns to Foxborough Sunday night football to play the Patriots uh, week number four. I just hope for every, you know, for the league's fans' sakes that the game is interesting because right now I don't anticipate it to be. That's what everyone says. I think I'm the only person who is actually kind of fearing this game. Now, do I think the Bucks could win in a blowout? Yeah. Do I think the Bucks should win the game? I do. Um, but... I mean, you know, I've seen Belichick dial up defenses, you know, week after week and totally change, you know, his offensive scheme from week to week, completely change, you know, the way he attacks and even the personnel on defense from week to week. And it's Tom Brady. Like, if anybody knows what Tom can't do the best. Right. It's him. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, the Patriots are going to win this game. Uh, Not at all. But. It, I don't think it's – because I hear a lot of people say there's no way Tom win, loses this game. Well, I mean, he's lost like three Super Bowls. Like, do you think he really didn't want to win that game too? I yeah. mean, you know, it's, it's it's like that's not enough for me. If, if your reasoning is there's no way Tom's going to lose this game. Well, okay. okay. But um, so I think it's a win. It's going to be – you know, it, it's – this is a, this is it. Like, you know – this is the t- this is the only time Tom Brady is going to play in Foxborough as not a Patriot. Right, like it's not going to happen again in his playing career, and uh, so it's yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, but uh, I expect the Bucks win. 
This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on it, Club 34-7. Bear Stalk Underground presents Club 34-7 every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and the app itself locker room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use uh you can talk to me other fans athletes insiders in real time it's perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and reacting to breaking news uh and so so much more you know and, and the live uh, the, the 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 app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season, you know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the, during the preseason, uh, have some watch-alongs, have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders, uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get, on the, get in on the fun is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in. Uh, on the fun, uh, you know, follow me and you can be notified when my room goes live and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should be interesting. Plus, we also haven't really seen or, you know, we haven't seen what, uh, you know what all that money is going to buy the Patriots this year because yeah. they kind of went hog wild in free agency and signed this guy and that one and so on and uh, so forth. So we don't really know what the makeup of that team is is going to be. And it's like most of everyone's feelings about what's going to happen this year is based on what we saw last year. So yeah. and they had uh, like six guys opt out too. Yeah, that, yeah, I think they led the league in guys yeah. opting out uh, last year. So they were shorthanded on top of everything else. Uh, last year so it's uh the Patriots are going to be one of those teams that are going to be most interesting to watch number one because it is the Patriots and you know they've Mm -hmm. had all that success and first losing season in like 22 years uh last season they didn't win their division for the first time in you know 17 years or something like that uh last I think yeah yeah Brady's been there it only not won the division once yeah and I think it was the year he was hurt yeah so yeah so, yeah, when he went out week one. I can't one, even imagine being that spoiled as a fan. Don't, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and, and I've said that many times. Yeah, it must suck when the worst that you'll do is the AFC championship game every single year. <laughs> like, that's the worst you're going to do. Not that maybe <laughs> maybe you make to the playoffs and you lose in the wild card. No, the worst you're going to do is play for the right to go to the Super Bowl. That's the worst thing that's going to happen to you. Because they played like LeBron and, you know, and the Cavs playing in the NBA Finals seven years in a row and all that kind of stuff. They played in the AFC Championship game like seven or eight years in a row. And that's not an exaggeration. They actually did that. So yeah. it was either them or the field were going to the Super Bowl in the AFC uh, you know, yeah. back in back I had, then, I had a friend. I had a bartender who would be like, he'd be like, uh, ten to one odds. Uh, I'll put down a hundred. That means you got to put down a thousand. Patriots win the Super Bowl this year, and I would never take the bet. Right? <laughs> I'm like, no, can't do it, bro. Can't do it. I'm like, no. Now, if you put down a thousand, and I got to put down ten thousand, 
I'll think about it. <laughs> and if I lose, you're not getting the $10,000. Right. That's just not happening. <laughs> we'll just shake hands and go our separate ways. Yeah, on I'll just one. quit my job and right. never talk to you. <laughs> so that's the first quarter uh, of the of the season. And, sure. uh, you know, Dallas, Atlanta at home, L.A., the, the Rams and the Patriots on the road. Then back uh, the with the Miami home at, uh, from uh, for the Dolphins, back to Thursday night football against the Eagles. So the the other luxury that the World Champions have is that they get two Thursday night games instead of just one, and uh, you know pretty quick uh, turnaround between the two of them actually. Mm-hmm. Um, at Philadelphia for the uh, Thursday nighter, um, you know playing that uh, that quick turnaround there, and then you get a ten day break before the Bears come to town. Uh, for week number seven, so not exactly a an exact rematch uh, from last season, but uh, I do know that uh, probably a lot of Buck fans want that one back. Oh yeah, yeah. When you were telling me that Blaine Gabbert San Francisco story, yeah. I had to really sort of bite my tongue, kind of like like the Bears game last year, like the Bears <laughs> game last year. Yeah, I have no idea how the Buccaneers lost that game. Yeah, I have no idea whatsoever, but they did. Um. Yeah, like you look at yardage and and you just look at everything. And then, I mean, at one point during the game, the it didn't look like professional football all on the Bucks side. And everyone knows what I'm talking about. Sure, it was like sixty yards and penalties mm-hmm. in a row. Yeah, it, it it was. You know, I I I still don't. Tom didn't know didn't know what down it was like. Like what is going on? Did you see the TikTok video? I did. Yeah. yeah. He, he actually admitted it. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. interesting that, or, you know, and kudos to him for coming out and just saying it. Cause I remember Arians going out or like immediately after, of course he knew it was fourth down. Tom Brady knew what down it was. And, you know, <laughs> just kind of was like, well, didn't look like he did. And then here he admits to the world. No, I thought it was third down. That's why yeah. was holding up the four fingers, looking confused while everyone was walking off the field. Uh, kind of thing but yeah I mean that was one of those games it was probably one of the biggest wins that we had uh, last year Uh, getting down early like that 13 to nothing and then you know bang bang right there in the last like three minutes of the quarter it's 14 to 13 the Bears have the lead at halftime and then it was just going back and forth it was more of a defensive game in the second half trading Mm -hmm. field goals and and like you said tons of penalties a lot of uh, and uh, like a lack of discipline from the offensive line because a lot of it was against the the offensive line, hands to the face and holding All penalties and All yeah, it was like just a you know the like the offensive line really kind of let it get away from them there for a little while, especially yeah. then, they like, did take a break between like two penalties in a row to allow a sack, <laughs> and then get two more penalties. Was that the one where where Khalil Mack hip tossed uh, Werfs because uh, he yeah. wouldn't let him go or something like that? So yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that all happened in the same drive. It was yeah, it was quite so a weird. display. Because the it only was thing, a goddamn Greek tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the only thing I would, that would probably be more frustrating for your side watching all of that would be for us to watch the Buccaneers rattle off like thirty yards and penalties and then gain thirty five on the next yeah. play, and then the Buccaneers again, penalty here, 15 yards, 10, you know, basically just giving it all back to us before finally just getting off the field and having to punt or something uh, like that. It's like, dude, we had him at like third and 47. How did they get a first down? That's yeah. what it was like watching watching that game. It's like, all right, well, third and fourth, they're just going to run a draw play and, you know, punt the ball. It's like, no, he's going to throw the ball. He'll be wide open, and he'll get 48 yards on third and 47, and then he'll have the illegal hands to the face and the – 15 yarder and things like that. So, but yeah, like, like, uh, like I 
like you were saying, mentioned to me, like when I was talking about that San Francisco game, that one stuck in me for a whole year. And uh, we, we got our revenge the year after because that one was really bugging me. But uh, like I said, I, I, I anticipate this would be a game that Buck fans want back pretty bad. It's like the only thing is that it's not happening in Soldier Field, so wouldn't quite be the same as, as getting total, total revenge if you get right. this one uh, this year. So you got the Bears week seven. Then Halloween, you're at New Orleans by week, week nine. And then on the road at the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. I really do hope what, they get what, a name soon. I, I can't who, stand. Who do, you, who, do, who do you want? What do you think? What's your pick? For the name? Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen a bunch of them. I, was like, I've, I like, um, like Warhogs is interesting. Warhogs. Or like Wolves or something. Something uh-huh. of that nature, you know, just to kind of do I like that. Tales. Red tails is not you know was cool, I like that I like one. Red tails, I want to go because it's got like dual meaning. You could be a red tail hawk, or you could be the uh, uh, to see you red tails. Yeah, and I think it, but I also kind of think it would be a little too on the nose that they would go from one end of the racial spectrum to the other. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to go from disparaging <laughs> they, they, a country. They, they you they know, a, a, a you black. know. Yeah, to do kind of the whole, you know, to go from one end of that spectrum to the other, I think would be like, yeah, I think everyone kind of saw that coming. Welcome like, to Tuskegee Air Day. Yeah, here just, you know, those guys definitely the deserve their around. due. They're they're heroes of our country, and absolutely. But as far as you know, the the Washington organization renaming their team to go from Redskins to Red Tails, <laughs> like, eh, maybe just come up with a name, guys. We don't have to quite lean into it. Like that. This is the future of the organization we're talking about here. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, we went from being some of the most, uh, you know, offensive organization of football to being, you know, totally woke and, and all is forgiven now. So, yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, you guys play them week 10. Um, then Monday night football at home against the Giants. And then at Indianapolis, at Atlanta. And then you're home for the Bills. Home with a rematch for the Saints, Sunday night football. It was a Sunday night, or that, that was that bad loss to New Orleans, wasn't it? It was prime time. It was definitely prime time, yeah. So That's prime time again. And then day after Christmas at Carolina. Then you're at the Jets day after New Year's. Wrap up the season with – so you don't play Carolina until week 16, and you play them twice in three yeah. weeks to wrap up the season. That's – Weird. That happens a lot to the Buccaneers, and it's not. I don't want to say Carolina, but like we'll play. Didn't they do that been, with Atlanta like a year or two or ago? The Falcons. Yeah. We'll we will play one of those two teams either twice in the first four or five weeks, or twice in the last four or five weeks. <laughs> uh, and it happens like every single year. It's just the way it is. Well, for us, the the NFL reinstituted uh, an old tradition which is to have the Bears finish the year on the road at Minnesota. And um, they kind of, they, they sort of got away from it last year where we weren't the Week 17 uh, road team at Minnesota. but And that's because Minnesota was on the road the last two weeks. But we were, for the fifth or sixth year in a row, the last home game for Minnesota last year. And then this year, we're back at Minnesota Week 18 to finish out the season. So for the... What sixth time in eight seasons we're finishing the year at Minnesota in, at the end of the at the end of the year? So, who's Chicago's biggest rivalry? Like it is the Packers. I, I'm sorry, it is the Packers. Okay, Green Bay. Oh, that's what I thought too. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought too. As far as like the games and like 
actual competition and back and forth, you get the best games out of Detroit because that's where you go in and, you know, one team could win, the other team couldn't, or, you know, also could, you know, it's kind of anybody's game with those. With Minnesota, they're either they're either mediocre or one of the dominant teams in the league. So we either, you know, and, and history between the Bears and the Vikings is that the home team always wins. Oh, okay. Last year, the road teams won. They beat us in Min- in Chicago on Monday night. We beat them in Minnesota uh, at the end of the year. But it usually goes the other way around. Usually, the home teams always win. With Green Bay, they've just had their foot in our ass for the last twenty five years, or actually longer than that, because Favre started there in ninety two, and it's been very lopsided. Like we had a big lead in the series, and now the Packers lead by like five games or something. They they made up all that ground in the last thirty years. That, so like, when does it not become the rivalry anymore? Like, like I would argue that could be now, but it's like both both fan bases and obviously the media cling heavily to the Bears and the Packers being one okay, of the best so rivalries. It's like Michigan and, Ohio State, it really doesn't yeah, matter. It really doesn't actually. You're right. It doesn't. Yeah. Okay. It's gotcha. tradition. Like we it's, hate yeah. you guys, and it's always going to be that way. Yeah. It hasn't been much of a rivalry in a long time. Like, we steal a win every now and then, but as far as, right. like, going back and forth, we won this this year, you guys won next year, things like that, like Michigan-Ohio State used to be. Um, right. You know, not like Michigan-Ohio State is very much Chicago and Green Bay now. It's like Ohio State pounds Michigan into the ground year after year. Same thing pretty much happens with Green Bay and the Bears right now. Like, we'll sneak out a win and we'll, you know, we'll get one every now and again. But as far as, like, on a consistent basis, is it anybody's game? No, Green Bay is favored 99 times out of 100, and 97 times out of 100 they win. So that's what that rivalry has been like for Bear fans for the last three three decades. So, yeah, it's uh, it's who we want to beat the most. Maybe that's why it's our biggest rivalry because right. we expect to beat Minnesota at least once a year. We expect to beat Detroit all the time, but Green right. Bay is the one that we want more than anyone, and we don't always get it. So Right. So I, I got you. So who would that be for you guys in this division? Because it it's a manufactured division that was kind of pieced together when the realignment right. was done. So who has the, you know, over the 20 years since the realignment was done, who has the main rival for Tampa Bay been? Is it the Falcons? I call, no. I call myself a, a 76er. <laughs> okay. Um, which means, because that's when the Bucks were, you know, conceived, sure, sure. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been around that long, uh, you know, our family, my dad, had season tickets. We had season tickets for the first ten years, mm. uh, and it was in back then. It was funny because it was the Bears. Sure, you know, like you know, getting to see Walter Payton. Even at that age, I knew I was watching something special. Yeah. But you know, like you know, the, the Vikings had like a modern shot and Tommy Kramer and the the, the Lions have been the Lions even with Barry <laughs> said, like they've still been the Lions right. forever. Uh, and the Packers, you know, we played a lot of teams like, you know, like the Packers weren't good for a long time. Like, you know, like Majowski, Majowski, mm-hmm. whoever, and they had like Lynn Dickey, yeah. you know, and Vince Workman. Like, they weren't any good. Right. But the the Bears were, were the team that uh, <clears throat> I remember, like, wanting to beat more than anybody else. But right now it's the Saints. Okay. Um, And it's... It's the Saints. It, it's not the Falcons. It'll never be the Falcons. Even when the Bucks were bad and the Falcons were good, for some reason the Bucks would split with them, maybe sweep them. Sure. Just, I, don't, I don't know how, why. Some teams um, just have other teams' numbers, man. Like we play the Steelers 
this year, and in like the last 11 games, we've won 10 of them, regardless of either team's station in that particular season. It's like we just have it over the Steelers right now. So I'm, I'm interested to see if that tradition can continue this year. But back in 2017, the last time we played them, that you know they were undefeated when they came into town, and, and the Bears were 0 and 2, and we beat the Steelers in overtime. We actually should have never happened that way, but it had it took overtime to do it, and we just seemed to be able to to win against the Steelers. Like the Dolphins always seem to have it to handle it to the Bears, no matter what. So it's just like right. some teams just have other teams' uh, numbers, and that you know regardless of how well they play, there's just something about that matchup that doesn't work out for one of those teams. Yeah, so it'll never be the Falcons. Um, the Panthers, eh, like, like Cam Newton was my least favorite NFL football player. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was always it wasn't really the Panthers though. Like, yeah. I mean, how can you really be a, a rival with a team that has teal in their color scheme? Sure. Like, you know, it's just it's, eh, they got sparkly helmets. You know, they like their uniforms look like. Unicorn puffy stickers that there you, you know, go, yeah. That your that your classmates, you know, the girls put on their trapper keepers in fourth grade. Like yeah, that's and they could fix all of that if they made black their home jerseys. They could, they could, they, they could. could fix it. You know, they could do it, they but they won't. They're sticking with the the powder blue, the sky blue. Yeah. So, um, so that leaves the Saints, and you know, the Saints, you know, with Sean Payton being such a turd, great head coach, <laughs> just a jerk. If he's not on, you know, he's like right. one of those guys, like you're. You love him if you got him. If you don't, he's like, Man, what a jerk that guy is. Uh, you know, and the Saints have recently, especially when they've gone on this run, I think they've won the division four the past five years. Uh, you know, their players talk on Twitter and, and make fun of our players. Um, their fan base is great, like, honestly. Like, you know, it, which that's kind of missing. Uh, you know, like you said, it's a manufactured d- division. Like, Saints fans are just, you know, they're great people. And, they, you know, when you go on the road and then they bring great food and they have great food at their city. Right. Uh, my favorite, you know, my favorite cuisine, I guess you could call it, uh, you know, if if you can call I don't even, what would you call it? Uh, Creole, maybe? Yeah, yeah. If, if, but I don't think that really encompasses it all. But, yeah, Creole cuisine is my favorite cuisine. So Cajun. Um Cajun, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think that does encompass uh, all And Drew Brees is such a nice guy. I know he's gone now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's the Saints. Like, we like beating the Saints. Um, it's like one of those things that if you went 2 and, I guess, 15 now, um, mm-hmm. as long as those two wins were against the Saints, I could still, like, feel good about the season. <laughs> <laughs> I get but, it. yeah, so that's who it is for the Bucks. Yeah, the, I used to have a, a coach in high school, our, our big rival – uh, I went to Evanston High School in in suburban Chicago, and our biggest rival was a was a school called New Trier. And the to 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 emphasize to us when, when we were freshmen coming in how big a deal it was to beat uh, New Trier that we played nine games in a regular season. If we went one and eight, and that one game was against New Trier, we had a good year. That's we threw a parade. Yeah, that's you know we beat New Trier. We lost to everybody else. But we beat those dickheads from Winnetka, so we're good. We're good, you know. We we're have we can lord that over those bastards. You know what I mean? <laughs> we so, got the bragging rights, ex- absolutely. So, you know, that's how it was. So that's uh, that's how that goes. That's 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 what I thought of immediately when you were saying if those two wins were against New Orleans, I could stomach the year. Like, well, if we won one eight and we beat New Trier, everything was okay. We can all come back next year, kind of thing. So. 
So what are you looking at when you when you look at the schedule? Do you, do you have a number for wins and losses? Twelve and five, thirteen and four. What are you thinking? Seventeen and zero. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, it, again, like what we talk about, it, and it's not crazy talk, but um, you know, the tough games are going to be the Rams early. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really excited just as a as a football fan to see Matt Stafford, Sean McVay just get together. Like Matt Stafford is criminally underrated as a quarterback. Yeah, we get him first. People... Oh, do you? We got the Rams on Monday Night Football to start the year. Oh my god. <laughs> well, Sunday I mean, night. Excuse me, Sunday Night Football. My mistake. But you know, I you know the good thing is that they have the least amount of time to mesh. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So look at it that way. <laughs> um. But so I think the Rams would be a tough game. The Colts could be a sneaky, tough game. But that's, you know, that's Carson Wentz has got to look at least something like he used to. Yeah. Um, of course, the Buffalo game, I think, is going to be a big game. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to be a huge game. The Saints games are always big games um, because of Sean Payton and now possibly adding in the Jameis Winston factor. Uh, so, you know. A lot of people wanted to say like thirteen and three last year, um, but they talked themselves out of it. Uh, the team ended up going eleven and five. Um, you know, yeah, like third, like when you go through the schedule and you look at it, you're like win, 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 and then you look back at it, and you're like they can't be like fifteen and two, right? So then you start making up losses, right? It's it's one of those type of things, right? Can the Bucks go undefeated? Yeah, they can. Are they going to? No, they're not. Can they go fifteen and two? Yeah, they can. Are they? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I run into that every single year. I run into a problem like that every year when I, I get my hands on the schedule and I just go week to week, picking the winners and, and losers and stuff, and then I go back to try to compile what the records will be, and I always inevitably have somebody that's going. 16 and 0, somebody that's going 1 in 15 or 0 in 16 or whatever, just because yeah. they, you know, it's like, yeah, these guys are better than them. Yeah, yeah. they're better yeah. than them. And that Find always the happens. The Jets are going to win. Yeah. And then I have to go back and be like, okay, well, now I have to be more, you know, meticulous in, in going through this instead of like the good once over I just gave the schedule where I have, you know, the, this team going 16 and 0 while this other one goes 0 and 16 and, uh, and things like that. And then, like you said, you have to manufacture, in this case, losses, uh, you know, for the for the Bucks because I'm looking at your schedule now, and if I had to pick out losses on the road at the Rams is a really good candidate uh, mm-hmm. for one. That in, like you said, Indy that's also a road game uh, as well. Um, you know, maybe New England if Belichick can pull something off with, <laughs> like you said, with the with his, you know, just him and his genius figuring out a way to stop Brady. Yeah. So we got one, like, really good possibility, and we're at two, like, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because all of your home games, you know, I, I think looking at your home games, Buffalo and the Bears are probably your toughest test at home, yeah. and that's just because we're, we're extracting, you know, as like I'm – I think New Orleans, even though Breeze hasn't been Breeze for the last couple of years, they've still been a really good team uh, as a yeah. whole. They still have a great roster. They do, and and but how much is it going to hurt not having him there because he was their or leader? Help. You know, he was their leader, and now their leader is gone. Has somebody been able to come in? Whether it's 
you know, whether it's Winston or somebody else on the team, maybe Cameron Jordan on the, on the other side coming in and stepping up to be the leader of that team to make sure they don't miss a beat. You know, it's, it's little intangibles like that that do make a big difference in how one team gets through uh, a season. So, but it's like, I'm looking at your, your schedules like Dallas and Atlanta, that should be two and O, you know, maybe the Rams and the Patriots, you can get maybe, you know, in, two and two. Yeah. They were two and two. Yeah. For, for argument's sake. Then you got the Dolphins. That's a win. That's at home. The Eagles, they're a dumpster fire. We'll take that. Mm-hmm. Even on the small, the short turnaround. Then you got 10 days to get ready for the Bears at home. I'll give you the win on that one. Thank and you. And at New Orleans, you think they're going get, to get one past you this year? Or? Sure, let them. Go ahead. At New Orleans? All right, so what are we at? So we're week three eight, losses. so we're five and three. You got the bye week at Washington. Hmm. Oh come on! Why yeah. does everyone think Washington is because of their team? because of their defense? If they get a quarterback, then they've got a pretty good their defense. Is still a year or two away from being a dominant defense. You think they're so? Still really, I think they're really young. They kind of carried them through the good. second half of the year last year. I think the, I think their defense is good. Yeah, I think their defense is is you know put them whatever tier you want to. The problem is they can't they can't the defense when they go against the teams like the Chiefs like the Bucks, like the Packers, you know, the tier one teams, like they don't have enough offensive firepower to hang with them. True. But they're still going to win like nine, ten games because their defense is going to keep them in every game. Yeah, and the only reason that I gave pause just for that moment is that I was thinking that when you and I talked at the end of the season, right after the Super Bowl, we did both agree that out of the, out of the playoff games, including the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Washington gave you guys the toughest test in they the, did. In the did. playoffs because you rolled right through the Saints. You rolled right through Green Bay. You dominated Kansas City. It was, the, it was like if there was any time where you might be questioning their ability to make it to the next round, it was that Washington game, and it was at Washington and all the rest. So that's the only reason I paused. Two and kept everything underneath and made Heineke make plays, and sure. he did. Yeah. He did. He just did. That was like one of the gutsiest performances by a quarterback I've ever seen. It really was, actually. I was very impressed with that guy. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the only reason that I paused. I'm, I'm giving, I would give them the win for sure there. But the only reason I had to think about it was like, yeah, they were the only ones that really kind of showed up against Tampa Bay in the playoffs last year. But uh, yeah, we give them the win. So six and three now. Take the Giants, uh, Monday Night Football next week. We'll take that one. Then there's the indie game on the road. We'll, uh, what to say? What seven and what, seven seven and four? Yeah, sure. Seven and four, sure. At Atlanta, win versus Buffalo, take the win. There's something about the Bills not really stepping up in those moments last year. You know, okay. I'll take the take the win there. Take the win over the Saints the following week at Carolina. Win at the Jets. Win versus Carolina. Win. So four yeah. losses. Yeah. So thirteen and, and four. Made, and we lost to Indy. Yeah. Yeah, and we lost to New England, right? So yeah, you have to manufacture even with going, even with giving the benefit of the doubt more times than not to losing. They went what thirteen and four. four. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's. I mean, we'll see what what reality shapes up to be. And of course, there's you know injuries and you know all that kind of stuff. Some teams always show up. Some teams fall apart and things like that. So. We'll we see. got Blank Gabbard, don't forget. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's like I said, this happens every year. You know, you go through the schedule where you're not going week to week with 
you know, just going down a one team schedule. If you go league league wide and you go week to week, there's always going to be a team that finishes, you know, 14 and 2, 15 and 1, 16 and 0 yeah. kind yeah. of thing just because they stack up better than their opponents knowing that when the season starts, there's going to be losses in there somewhere. So, yep. I mean, that's just the reality of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we'll probably win the New England game, but we might lose the Buffalo game. Sure. You sure. know, it's it's just how it goes. Or lose the New England game and the Buffalo game, and now you're 12-6 and six or 12-5. Yeah. and five. And then there's yeah. always that fun any given Sunday thing where out of nowhere you lose to the Giants on Monday Night Football for no reason. Right, you know? yeah. The Giants played us tough last year, man. Yeah. They did. But again, like I don't think we were the team we were defensively. Like the, the it was so weird and but the Bucks from before the bye week to after the bye week, it was almost like they flipped the switch like a hockey team, you know? Like oh, it's playoff time now. Click. It was so it was so different. Like Devin White went from being like lost in coverage and a complete liability, you know, to like an absolute strength. And it was like, what? Like how, like how can you go from not understanding, you know, covering people in your zone to like breaking up passes, yeah. you know, and passing two or three people off and then break up the pass. It was just, it was like night and day. Like they'd always, the bucks had always, you know, put a lot of points up on teams. You thought they were supposed to, and we'd squeak out, you know, some of those games, like the chargers game, like we were down like what, 14, 17 points to the Chargers like at one yeah. point, you know, and and thank God they tried to hand off the ball right before halftime instead of their own 20 and fumbled it and we got it and scored right before halftime. We might have lost that game. But after that bye week, man, it was it was Tom Brady, like Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> like Patriots back. You know, when it was yeah. just like, what, like, how do you stop these guys? And the defense like really came around. Um you know, defensively, and, it, it, you know, Shaq started to show up, JPP started, to, you know, and then what really happened, let's face it, we had a, we had a really easy schedule, then Vivea came back, and it just changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, lost him in the Bears game, actually, I remember. Yeah, Devin yeah. White stepped on him. Oh, wow, was it was friendly fire that took him out. Yeah, he didn't step on him. Like, yeah, uh, Devin White got blocked and spun off it. Vivea had the guy around the waist, and Devin White jumped to help on the tackle, and his knee came down right on Viva's leg, which was, like, right on his ankle, which was laying on the ground. Right. Like, so the, the runner was kind of dragging him, and so basically Devin White just, like, stomped on his ankle. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, friendly fire. That happened to me once in practice. The guy rolled up. Thankfully, he just rolled up my ankle as opposed to shattering it or anything like that because uh, that definitely would have ended my season. Instead, it made for a very uncomfortable Saturday for me playing hurt on a busted ankle that wasn't fun but uh i pushed through i'm, I'm a tough there guy. you go yeah that's right man so but I ren you're a tough guy do. as well uh you know you're sure. a fan of a, a fun team that's going to be interesting to watch this year and we got you week number seven so of course uh that's when we'll love to have you back to preview the game see where we are after the first six weeks i think the bears are a week 10 by so we'll uh, we'll still be six games in same as you um when we uh head into uh to, to see you guys down there in tampa yeah man I, i'm definitely looking forward to it uh i, I i'm interested to see what happens w- with with the bears this year and the whole alan robinson saga see what goes on there and and uh it's just, it's it's uh, uh is it exciting times in chicago for the bears right now that all changed on draft night 
It absolutely did. Uh, going into, um, I, I think maybe I even mentioned this to you when we talked at the end of the season, because that's when, of course, the, the Sean Watson rumors were starting up and, yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. The thing that I was most terrified about this offseason was, was Pace and Nagy knowing that this is it. It's win or you're done this year, and we need a quarterback more than anything on this team. And the, their desperation leading them to mortgage our future to get some. Right. right. And that didn't go away after we failed to get Russell Wilson and signed Andy Dalton. That didn't go right. away because we still have the draft and we're still picking 20. And any quarterback worth having is going to be in the top five kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I was most terrified about what, what Ryan Pace was going to pay. Hey, we got our quarterback, but we can't have any weapons or anybody to protect right. him for three Ex- years. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, especially when, when rumors came out that the asking price for Watson were three ones and three twos and maybe a third down there. So it's just like, just one, just give him the keys to the organization for the next five years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, so we will trade for that. Uh, Deshaun, you will not be playing until 2025. Right. So we can. We're going to wrap sure you in you bubble wrap to make sure that you're still alive when we actually can af- can get you some help on this team. So, so yeah. But uh, it's like well, I mean, thank even God the Broncos believe in Drew Locke, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thank God that their uh, their GM is is a dickhead apparently because they showed a video uh, on their website of him talking to Ryan Pace just before they sent in their car to take Patrick Sertan. And he's mm-hmm. like, look, Ryan, it's going to be a one, a two, a three, and next year's one to move up to his spot. And, you know, Pace didn't do it, so they go in and hand in the car. He actually hung up on Pace saying, hey, I'm getting another call from someone who's going to offer me more, and then he hangs up on him. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I'm pretty sure he just did that for comedic purposes for everyone in the room, but uh, makes you look like a schmuck and, you know enjoy your cornerback when you really did need a quarterback out there. <laughs> so I was like, I know Vic Fangio can do a lot with a cornerback, but, uh, you know. How was Sertan's arm? I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and find out when uh, when Drew Locke and uh, Teddy Bridgewater fail them eventually. So uh, we'll see. But, um, you know, and, and this is uh, – and I like telling the story because this is exactly what happened – is that, you know, watching draft night, you're switching channels, whichever, whichever, because they're on three networks. God only knows why, but they are. And when one network goes to commercial, you just switch the channel over to the next one. Right. And the Giants are on the clock, and I switch, I think, from NFL Network to ESPN or something. And literally as I'm switching over to ESPN, you see Giants trade the pick, and then the helmet sweeps across to the Bears. And my reaction was, duh. Oh God. Oh, Oh God. Because my, as I, it didn't, I knew it was Justin Fields. I knew it was going to be a quarterback. That's we always knew that that's what was going to be. If there was going to be a trade, that's what it's going to be for. He's not moving yeah. up to take Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. That's not happening. Penny Sewell's still on the board, <laughs> but you know, so we knew it was going to be the quarterback. And the, the my only concern was what, what did we give up? What did we right. give up? What did we give up? The, the, the call, you know, the pick comes in. It's Justin Fields. I'm happy about that because, honestly, if it, if it couldn't be Trevor Lawrence, Fields was the guy I wanted. That's when we're all still living in fantasy land about that kind of thing. Somehow he falls, and he's there at 11 for us to take him. And then the, then the compensation comes out. We gave up a fourth rounder this year, okay? A first rounder next year or a fifth rounder this year, a one and a four next year. And my thought was, was that it? 
We're going to win. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, because for me, the biggest part of that. We're the greatest organization of all well, time. The biggest part of that was that we still had our second and third round pick. We're still doing business tomorrow yeah. night. You know, it's like because any trade I thought Pace was going was gonna to include one of those picks, the second rounder, the third rounder. And instead, he gets Gettleman to take a fourth or a fifth this year and a one and a four next year. I just like I said, I just talked to the Giants beat writer yesterday and he's like, yeah, everyone was thrilled that they got a first round pick out of him. You know, like they were happy with one first round pick when other GMs were going to ask for two or three or a first, a second and a third, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like it's one of those things that both sides walked away happy on this one, which. cool. Yeah, which is also (laughs) I was joking with Ryan that this is that's kind of the sign of a bad deal, isn't it? When both sides walk away happy, because the saying is the sign of a good deal is when both sides walk away unhappy. Well, both sides walked away thrilled. So. You know, we'll see how it all how it all works out. But but to, to for this super it's long different. answer, it's the type of the people you deal with. Yeah, <laughs> but you know this, what I mean. The the answer, the super long you answer to your you question, didn't, like, completely screw the other guy. Right. Is that why both I don't are know. both unhappy? But you know, it's like the the super long answer to your very short question is, you know, before draft night, no one was happy with the off season. Because we didn't have a lot of money to go out and get, you know, spend free agent or on free agents or anything. Um, Allen Robinson panicked and signed his franchise deal when he saw the 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 uh, the market for wide receivers was like eleven or twelve yeah. million a year when he wants twenty. You know, yeah. so he yeah. the, he panicked. The wide market is is going to bust. Yeah. I mean, this con this this salary bump's really going to help, but. You know, ever look at wide receiver rooms around the league, man. Everyone's got two guys for sure. Yeah. Some of them got three. You know, the ridiculous ones like the Bucks have four. <laughs> and you got you got three, four, five first round receivers coming out every year. Yeah. It's yeah. it's got it's gonna bust. It's, they're the next running backs, man. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, especially when when you can find guys in the second and third rounds that cost a fraction of what you know, what the, what a free agent would and, and all that kind of, I mean, hell rookies cost a fraction of what a free agent would, but, um, dollars ain't no way. No yeah. one's getting that anymore. Yeah. Maybe but it's next just, year might be the last year. Maybe, maybe, but, uh, you know, it's, it, you're going to have to be a generational player at wide receiver to get that kind of money, uh, going forward. It's not going to be the kind of money that everybody can get going forward. And like I said, you know, uh, cause I made the, I made the comment when he did, when he signed a fr- his, uh, franchise tender, I was like, you know, even when the Bears win, they lose because Robinson panicked over what was going on with the wide receiver market. He wasn't going to get the money he was looking for. And we get Rob- Allen Robinson, which is a win for the Bears, but we get him at like $18 million when the market was like 10 or 12 You know, like yeah. if, if we had set, mar- set him loose on the market, we could have had him back for less than what we signed him for originally. We signed him for 14 mil a season to bring him in. And, you know, the market says, I can get you for 12, so take the money or don't kind of thing. So, Yeah, yeah Godwin uh, took the franchise tag as well, mm-hmm. and only one, and I'm sure it's the same deal with you since franchise tag is franchise tag, but only one wide receiver in free agency got more money than Godwin or, I guess, as, as uh, Robinson as well, and that was Galladay. No one else, all the free agents wide receivers, yeah. Signed for deals less than the franchise. Yeah, the market was way low on on wide receivers. 
this time. And I'm sure that that salary cap contributed to that. But also, like yeah. you said, the wide receiver market's going to bust because nobody's going to be able to keep multiple $20 million receivers on the team when they have a roster to fill. So, yeah. And it's, you got uh, five more coming out every year. Right. So, But it's like when draft night came, he pulls off the trade for Justin Fields and we don't get fleeced. We have our day two picks, and then we get a first-round tackle in the second round in Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Now Bear fans are over the moon with what happened. So we are going into draft day, not very excited. After draft day, can't wait for the season to start. So, God, isn't that so yeah. weird? It turned on a dime, man, literally in, in like a 24-hour period from the Andy minute Dalton, we picked. Oh, my God, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. it's like, we've got the two cornerstones of offense for the next 20 years. <laughs> we got our starting left tackle and our franchise quarterback in a 24-hour period. Bear fans are over the moon. We can't wait to see these guys uh, on the field. So Good. Yeah, Good. it's like all is, for the moment, all is forgiven for Payson yeah. <laughs> Nagy. They're welcome to Hallis Hall for, for, the, for the remainder and uh, we'll see how the season uh, turns out. But we still have a future. Pace didn't give it away to get Justin Fields, which was the best part of anything. So yeah, we'll see how it all uh, how yeah, it all shakes out. That's what broke out. the Bucks and the Gruden deal. Like we got the Super Bowl, but we didn't have a first round pick for three years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they gave up all that kind of stuff for him, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that was the end of that. <laughs> Back to being nobodies. Right. Right. Well, Ren, uh, as always, man, this has been great. We'll, we look forward to talking to you again in, uh, in October. And it's the PewterCast if you guys want to catch the, uh, catch the show, just because Ren is an entertaining guy overall. Just go listen mm-hmm. to the show to listen to him to chatter about things. Uh, or if you can, find a way to record us talking before and after the show. That'd be a fun podcast, too. There so, you, you know, <laughs> that's how uh, I don't know if you know, but Brent uh, moved on. Yes, uh, I did this year. OK, yeah. OK. And uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, we actually started another podcast because when we finished recording, I would hang out with him because I felt it was a nice right thing to do as he, you know, produced the show and, you know, put everything together and sure. put it out. And, so we would hang out, we'd hang out and talk, and we found out that uh, we, we ended up talking about Star Trek like almost every single time, and so we started a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, and you and I were talking about the last time we were on, we talked about wrestling for about 20 minutes before we got started. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about, uh, you know, uh, like how I, I have, I, I'm a, like, I collect kiss stuff and, yep. you know, I was been watching the, you know, reaction videos on YouTube because of the Mandalorian show and how we both love star Wars and things like that. So yeah, I'm sure if we had to, we could come up with something to uh, crank yeah. in week it in and week hard. out. Would not be hard. Would not, hard. Be, hard. Would not be, be hard. hard. So Ren, What's thanks again. What's your favorite again. color of Gatorade? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old school, man. I like orange. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, orange and lemon lime, the only two real flavors Amen. in the story. Amen. Amen. I like Cool Blast, though. That's not bad. But Sure. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Sell out. It all tastes the same. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just who put, well, you know, what color preservative they put into it. It all tastes the same. So, well, it was ruined. I remember. Remember when it came in the glass bottles? I do. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> the lemon lime in a glass Gatorade bottle yeah. was good stuff. And but here anyway. we go. <laughs> no way we go. No way we go. So, all right, Ren. Uh, thanks so much, man. We'll see you uh, to preview 
uh, week seven. Check them out on the on the Pewtercast. And what's your what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I am now at the Pewtercast. I have taken okay. over it for Brent. So, so yeah, uh, on Twitter at the Pewtercast. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. You want to slide in my DMs and ask a Bears question or something about the Bucks? I, I will. Definitely get back to you and answer answer your call. If none of you come over and watch our show or listen to our pod, I completely understand. All right. Ren Dax from the Pewtercast. It's always a fun time, man. Thanks. As always, want to thank my guest, Ren Dax, from the Pewtercast uh, for being on the show. Looking forward to have him on to preview week number seven when the Bears travel down to Raymond James to take on the uh, the Buccaneers. And, um, you know, that's going to close the book on the same place opponents. Now we move on uh, to our divisional uh, opponents. And uh, the first one up will be the NFC West. And Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast will be joining us to preview the 49ers. Uh, then we will move on to the Arizona Cardinals. And Jess Root from the Rise Up Sea Red uh, podcast will be on to talk to us there. And uh, Sosa K from Locked on Rams will be around to talk about the LA Rams. And then Michael Sean Duggar from The Athletic in Seattle will be on to talk to us about the Seattle Seahawks before we move on to the AFC North, then the NFC North, and wrap it up finally with our beloved uh, Chicago Bears. So I had a really great time uh, talking to Ren. It, it's always interesting when when he and I get together because uh, both of us, um, you know, I, I think, number one, that we like each other, which is helpful. But it's like, you know, we, we get on and, hey, it's, uh, you know, we started talking at about 6 o'clock. And before you know it, uh, we like we recorded the show. And on each end, we were talking for about 20, 30 minutes before. So what turned into 6 o'clock, record the interview, be done at the latest, maybe 7, 7.30 to all of a sudden it's 9 o'clock and... Now I have to figure out what I'm going to do for a late dinner because you don't want to sleep with a you know a belly full of food uh, and things like that. So it happens every single time that I, that I talk to Ren. What's supposed to be like an hour, maybe an hour and a half long endeavor turns into like this three and a half hour journey uh, from beginning uh, to end. So uh, I, I I always uh, enjoy having Ren uh, on the show. So. Um, anyway, I think that's going to cover it. Uh, looking forward to uh, to moving on here. Uh, like I said, we're done with our same place opponents. We're moving on to the NFC West. You know, we still have twelve of these shows to go. You know, the four of four of the NFC uh, NFC West, the four shows of the AFC North, and then the three shows for the NFC North, and then finally the Bears uh, to wrap things up. So we got twelve episodes to go before we wrap up the series. Uh, plenty to do between now and the start of training camp before we start getting ready for the preseason games that I think we're all looking forward to just to see what Justin Fields is going to look like uh, on the field against the uh, Miami Dolphins uh, on August the 14th. So, I mean, you can tell that, uh, you know, I'm not seeing preseason game number one or week one of the preseason. I'm saying Saturday, August the 14th. Because that is when that game is taking place. It's circled on my calendar. So be sure to come back on Monday when Oscar Aparicio will be joining us from the Better Rivals podcast to preview the 49ers. We'll be talking to him about 
this bounce back year that the 49ers uh, are looking forward to. They were the defending NFC champion last year going into 2020 and then suffered the, uh, you know, the uh, the Super Bowl loser curse. They were ravaged by by injuries. They had a carousel of quarterbacks coming in and out. Garoppolo goes down, and I think they were on their fourth quarterback or something uh, by the end of the season. They started pretty much anyone who was on the 49er roster as a quarterback last year started a game uh, for them, or at least more than one in, in some situations. They just couldn't keep a healthy quarterback on the field or a healthy roster on the field for that matter. They, I mean, that week two game uh, against the Jets, Oscar and I will talk about it. Uh, you know, that's where the, 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 the pain began and uh, the domino fell and the 49ers just couldn't gain any ground. They were still a tough out. They were still competitive, but they weren't full strength and it cost them a few games uh, last year. And they're hoping that the, uh, their luck will change and that, the, you know, a healthy roster that's back and ready to go will uh, return the 49ers to the success they had uh, in 2019. So we'll be talking to him about that, and uh, that'll be dropping on Monday. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.